This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. With us today on Catholic Review Radio is Baltimore Archbishop William Laurie. We will be talking today about the upcoming beatification of Father Michael McGivney, the parish priest who founded the Knights of Columbus, of which Archbishop Laurie is the Supreme Chaplain. Welcome to the show, Archbishop. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. So we're talking today in the residence of the Basilica, and right next door was where Venerable Father McGivney was ordained a priest in 1877, right next door. Why was this priest who served in Connecticut ordained by Cardinal Gibbons in Baltimore? Father McGivney was formed for the priesthood at St. Mary's Seminary, um, the oldest seminary in the United States. And uh, it was at the time located on Packer Street here in Baltimore. And the custom in those days oftentimes was that uh, when the seminarian completed his course of studies, um, he would be ordained uh, in the place where the seminary was, and then sent home uh, to say his first mass. And that's what happened in the case of Father McGivney. What makes this humble priest so important to Catholics today? Why is he being recognized with beatification, which is the next step on the way to canonization? Father McGivney uh, lived in the 19th century. Conditions were, of course, very different in our country than they are today. But Father McGivney is surprisingly contemporary. Contemporary in that uh, he models uh, a missionary style of pastoral leadership that sent him into all the corners of his parish to deal with all the pastoral needs of his people, especially the needs of Catholic families, Uh, a missionary style of leadership that uh, brought him beyond the walls of the parish uh, as he engaged the wider community, a style of leadership that is a real heart for the poor and the marginalized and the despised, and um, in founding the Knights of Columbus, a style of leadership that really respects laypersons and laypersons' gifts and abilities, um, as evidenced by the fact that he founded the Knights of Columbus to be lay-led. I think that those first knights would have happily made Father McGivney their supreme knight, but uh, he chose not to do that. He wanted them to take the reins. Uh, So as I said to Pope Francis uh, back in February of this year, I said, you know, Father McGivney was a Pope Francis kind of a priest before there was a Pope Francis. Long before there was a Pope Francis. Archbishop Laurie, why is it so important for him to, as a young priest, 
Stuart started the Knights of Columbus, as you just talked about. How has that endured today? It certainly has changed over the decades. So Father McGivney was a very devoted, engaged parish priest, partially due to his own experience of his own family, but also the experiences of his parishioners. He realized two things, that when the father of the family, the husband, uh, died prematurely, as often happened in those days, the widow and her children were were left penniless, bereft. He saw that with a family named the Downses who had owned a stationery store, a, a kind of a news shop. And when Mr. Downs died, Mrs. Downs and children found themselves in great straits. And that was repeated over and over again. So Catholic men were looking for a way to provide for their families in the event of their death. And second, uh, Father McGivney saw the need to help the men of his parish to be better husbands, better fathers, and more engaged in living their faith. So he sort of put these two things together. It was an age when societies of various sorts were um, very much in vogue. They used to call them secret societies. And with what I call the genius of holiness, he came up with this wonderful fraternal Catholic men's organization uh, that provides insurance benefits for families to this day. Those same two purposes remain equally important today. Helping men to be better husbands and fathers. Who's listening to this broadcast? who doesn't resonate with that goal? And secondly, who has a family that isn't concerned about providing for their families uh, in the event of death? So those two things uh, continue to this day. And in fact, as large as the Knights have grown and as diverse as our products have become, the formula that Father McGivney came up with for the insurance program is still working in the Knights of Columbus to this day. Uh, Father McGivney was a very smart man, a natural leader, very diligent. Um, so he did not found the Knights of Columbus in any offhanded way, but with prayer, a lot of consultation, and uh, a lot of hard work. Our archdiocese is fortunately connected to many saints and blessings. We have the first saint born in the USA, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, of course, who uh, ministered just a few blocks away at, on Paca Street. But there are others, such as St. John Neumann, uh, Blessed Francis Silos, Blessed Stanley Rother, Servant of God, Mother Mary Lang, among others. What is it about Baltimore and Maryland, you think, that attracts holy men and women, such as Venerable Michael McGivney? Baltimore is called rightfully the premier see. And it is premier because it is the first see in the United States. It is called premier because it's at the heart of the experiment of religious freedom that is our Constitution and Bill of Rights. But it is premier in another way. It is premier 
in that uh, it has been the place where God in his providence has raised up saints and blesseds uh, in our midst. Um, when you sort of think about the foundations of the Catholic school system, the premier educators, who were they? St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, Servant of God, Mother Mary Lang. These were the premier educators. Um, and they had to be women of extraordinary strength and holiness to carry out the mission that they did. In the 19th century, in a different sense than is the case today, our country was missionary territory. And so who do we find at St. Alphonsus, mid 19th century? We find St. John Neumann, um, a great a redemptorist, a great missionary bishop, and his successor, Blessed Francis Silos, the great confessor. Uh, in order to plant the seeds of faith in this country, God raised up uh, bishops and priests outstanding uh, in holiness. Baltimore, the scene where the first two seminaries in the United States were established, St. Mary's Seminary in 1791 and Mount St. Mary's in 1808. Uh, isn't it fitting that the nation's oldest and second oldest seminary would each have now a blessed. And uh, as I uh, tell the seminarians at both seminaries, it's great to compete in soccer. And uh, they do compete for something called the Vianney Cup. But now there's another kind of a, of a, of a rivalry, a competition to see which blessed, Father Stanley Rother or Father Michael McGivney gets to be canonized uh, first. I probably ought to say a word about Father Stanley Rother, Blessed Stanley Rother. He is a graduate of Mount St. Mary's Seminary in 1963. He um, was a priest of the then Diocese of Oklahoma City. Today it's an archdiocese. Shortly after ordination, uh, went down to uh, Guatemala and uh, became a true missionary. He truly became one with his people. Uh, he was caught in the uh, crosshairs of the dispute between the government and the insurgent guerrillas, and he was executed in 1981, and uh, in 2017 was beatified uh, by Pope Francis. Uh, and so Father McGivney will, of course, be beatified October 31st of this year. Mm -hmm. How do we empower and inspire that kind of ministry today? It's not for nothing that God raises up saints and in our midst. So I would say that uh, we may call ourselves the premier see, and rightfully so, but we should never, ever, ever rest on our laurels. These saints the God has raised up providentially right here in our midst, all around this archdiocese, these saints should spur us to holiness. These saints should spur us to do Catholic education with renewed dedication and zeal to form young minds and hearts 
to be leaders and disciples in our church and in our society. These saints should inspire those of us who are ordained to live out our ministry as missionary disciples, as zealous priests, as loving servants of our people. These saints who raised up lay leadership and worked with lay leadership uh, so very, very closely, Father McGivney being exhibit A, but also Father Stanley Rother uh, in his missionary activity did the same thing. These saints should inspire the laity in the archdiocese to say, we are all co-workers in the vineyard of the Lord. We have our unique vocations, but we too are called to be missionary disciples. We too are called to revivify the church. We too are called to attract uh, back to the communion of the church those who for whatever reason have strayed. So these saints spur us on to holiness and to missionary discipleship. We have been talking today with Archbishop William Laurie about the life and work of soon-to-be-blessed Father Michael McGivney. Thanks for being with us today. Glad to be here, Chris. After the break, we're going to talk with Carl Anderson, Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, about the important work Father McGivney continues to inspire today. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. After more than 75 years helping form families through international adoption, Catholic Charities of Baltimore closed its international adoption program September 30th, citing changing circumstances within other countries and a negative stance toward international adoption from the American federal government. Ellen Warnock, who has worked in the International Adoption Program for 36 years, called the decision heartbreaking, but necessary due to the dramatic decline in the number of children annually entering the United States for adoption. In the early 2000s, more than 23,000 children came into the country each year for adoption. In 2019, that number declined to just 2,900. Many of the countries Catholic Charities dealt with, especially in Africa, have poorly designed and under-resourced child welfare systems, Warnock said. They are struggling just to get food, shelter, clothing, and medicine to their orphanages and do not have the resources to provide the increased level of documentation sought by the American government. As a result of the increased bureaucratic demands, many of the clients Catholic Charities and other adoption agencies brought into their system have found themselves stymied when they reach the embassy stage of the adoption process. There are currently dozens of children in Africa matched with families in the United States through Catholic Charities who cannot enter the country. Many adoption service providers have lost their accreditation, have been suspended, or have given up their accreditation for international adoption over the last two years, according to the U.S. State Department website. They include Catholic Charities of Fairfield, Catholic Charities of Tennessee, and Catholic Charities of Arlington. Over the last 75 years, Catholic Charities of Baltimore has placed approximately 8,000 children in American homes through adoption, with about 3,500 of them coming through international adoption. 
the agency ended its domestic adoption program six years ago because of significant declines in the number of domestic adoptions. For more on this and other stories, visit catholicreview.org. Again, that's catholicreview.org. From the virtual newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. You are listening to Catholic Review Radio on 1160 AM and 103.1 FM WMBT, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Before the break, we spoke to Baltimore Archbishop William Lurie, who is also Supreme Chaplain of the Knights of Columbus, about the upcoming beatification of Father Michael McGivney. With us now is Carl Anderson, who as Supreme Knight, is the head of the two million members of the Knights of Columbus in 16,000 local councils worldwide. Welcome to the show. Chris, thanks very much for the invitation. It's wonderful to be with you. What are the events in Connecticut for the celebration of Father McGivney's beatification October 31st? Will people be able to participate via telecast or live stream? Yes, of course. Uh, unfortunately, you know, with the COVID uh, restrictions, we can only have uh, actually uh, 200 participants in person at the cathedral. We're going to be broadcasting this on EWTN. It'll be live and it'll be 11 a.m. in the morning on the 31st. So we hope a lot of people and, of course, lots of Knights of Columbus across the country and in Canada and Philippines and in Europe will watch. Archbishop Lori talked about in the first part of the show about the reasons for the founding of the Knights by Venerable Father McGivney and building faith and fraternity, protecting families with insurance. How are those goals being met by the Knights today? Well, you know, I think uh, where we want to start with Father McGivney is the fact that as a parish priest, he was very concerned about his parishioners leaving the faith. So at that time, a lot of the men were joining these secret societies, uh, many of which were anti-Catholic, to get ahead in society, to protect their families. And so um, Knights of Columbus was an answer to that. Also, uh, families in the 19th century, you know, there was no social safety net. So the death of a breadwinner, typically the father, uh, many families would be cast into poverty. And then under the laws at that time, families would be broken up and the children put into foster care. And, men, and most of those foster care homes were not Catholic. So to keep the faith of the families, to keep the faith of the men, Father McGivney saw Knights of Columbus as a way of, of doing that. So yes, insurance was very important. And yes, having an organization for Catholic men uh, was also very important. Now, I would say one other thing that expresses the genius of Father McGivney spiritual genius, if you'd like to put it that way, is, look, all of these Catholics were coming in in the mid to late 19th century. There was a lot of anti-Catholic bias, a lot of prejudice. We all know that. And it would have been very easy for many Catholics to say, hostile environment here. Let's kind of stay closed in on ourselves. Let's be careful. And uh, Catholics could have very easily uh, walked themselves into a ghetto situation in many American cities. But what Father McGivney did with founding the Knights of Columbus was said was saying, look, we're not going to do that. We're going to be out in society. We're going to influence society. We're going to be proud Catholics. And we are going to influence society by very fundamental Christian principles, charity, 
unity, and brotherhood. I don't think it's just a coincidence that Pope Francis now has put out this beautiful encyclical on fraternal friendship, brotherhood. Father McGivney's idea in 1882. You mentioned the charity part of of the the night's vision. That charity is well known throughout the world, globally, but also in their own communities. What kinds of service do the knights do? Just, I mean, I know there's a lot of it out there, but in a nutshell, what kinds of, of things do the knights focus on? Well, part of the success of the Knights of Columbus is we have kind of a two-tier approach to charity. Uh, one tier is at the national and international level. So we have a number of programs that we support from the Supreme Office in Connecticut, right? Helping persecuted Christians, getting involved in Special Olympics, our ultrasound pro-life activity, uh, helping uh, children with uh, disabled persons with uh, wheelchairs, uh, coats for kids. We've given out close to a million uh, new coats to inner city poor children uh, so they have something to wear in the winter. So we have the national programs local councils can opt into. Then we give the local councils a lot of discretion. What's the local need in your parish or in your community? And step forward and help to meet that. So it's that combination of grassroots, what is the local need that we can address and we can respond to, and what's the national or international issues that we can do something about. So oftentimes uh, you have the combination that comes together. So, for example, our Coats for Kids program, we've given out many, many coats in, in Baltimore. So that's uh, with the Archbishop, uh, with your Archbishop. So that's a combination of a national program meeting a local need and the local council saying, you know, this works really well in our community. Yeah, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of coats that have been given out in Baltimore. And those it's just great to see the smiles on the, those kids' faces. And from a personal point of view, I can reflect that I know that uh, one of the local knights found out that my mother-in-law wanted to get a ramp just so that she could roll out into her backyard and experience the, the backyard. And uh, he came and he built it for her. And it was a it was a tremendous service that was personal and pastoral. And, and that made a huge difference to her. And, and I think those are the kinds of things that are inspiring about what the Knights do. You know, that's exactly a, a wonderful example because for a lot of people to hire a carpenter to come and do that, very difficult and, and too expensive for them. But that's the kind of thing that a group of men can get together and say, okay, we can we can do that in a weekend. We can get that job done. They go in, see a need, get the job done, and then they can say, you know, it's not like we wrote a check and sent it in the mail and we didn't know what happened. We saw the person, we saw the need, we did the job. And that's part of the attraction for the Knights because if you're joining a, a council in your parish, you know the guys who are members, you know what they do, you know they're investing their own time and their own money, so they're being careful stewards of the projects. And uh, I think that's another reason why the Knights have, have been so successful. That's great. When we look at it today, here you've got a priest from the, the late 1800s who you know, is, was holy in many ways, what is it about him that inspires your members today? I think there's so many things about Father McGivney that are inspiring. And I think he inspires 
uh, many thousands of parish priests. One thing, uh, he he lived a holy life, and that holy life uh, really affected his parishioners. Uh, you know, the uh, New Haven newspaper, when Father McGivney left St. Mary's in New Haven, his final uh, sermon, the newspaper recorded that they could hear uh, people crying in the congregation as he gave his homily. Now, how many times do you hear that? When a priest says goodbye, people are audibly crying in the church as he's speaking. So he had a huge impact. And I think this idea of not apologizing for Catholicism, but being forward and making a contribution to society and doing it in Christian ways of charity and unity and brotherhood. You know, Father McGivney was born just before the Civil War. He lived through the Civil War as a child. Uh, he grew up in the Reconstruction period when people were saying, you know, how do we put the country back together again? How do we make this work? We killed almost 700,000 people, which was millions if we made it in terms of the population today. It destroyed many of our cities. How do we put this country back together again? And here comes Father McGivney, and he says, well, we do it with a commitment to charity, a commitment to unity, and let's recover a concept of brotherhood. Now, look around today. we got too much charity, too much unity, too much uh, brotherhood, or could we use a little more? And isn't that the role we, of Catholics? Well, we could all use a little more of that today. Well, we are excited to be able to be talking with you about the beatification of Father Michael McGivney, which will be October 31st in Connecticut. Uh, as you mentioned, it'll be available on EWTN and live streamed. We've been talking today with Carl Anderson, Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, about that upcoming beatification and about the impact that Father Michael McGivney still has on the Knights of Columbus. And we thank you, Carl Anderson, for being with us today. Thank you very much, Chris. For more information on the night, visit kofc.org. That's kofc.org. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. What is a saint, and who are some of the saints who served in the Archdiocese of Baltimore? Father Jesse Bolger, pastor of St. Joseph in Fullerton, will talk about it next week on Catholic Review Radio. Available on WMET, 1160 AM and 103.1 FM, and also WSJF, 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area, and WVTO, 92.7 FM in Southwest Baltimore. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.